Hello, 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 and welcome to Hey Batter Batter. I'm Devin, your friendly neighborhood word nerd and baseball fan. I'm starting this podcast because I want to do something different and something fun. I'm a freelance writer and editor, and mostly I love what I do. That's not changing. But I want to work on telling stories with my voice and diving into some research in one of my very favorite areas, baseball. I'm a huge baseball fan, it runs in my family, and when I was thinking about what topic I would consistently like to record myself talking about, baseball was number one. Why am I starting this podcast now? I've thought about it before. What makes it right now so special? Well, I'm subscribed to Paul Jarvis's newsletter, The Sunday Dispatches, and he issued a challenge. Record and share three episodes of a podcast by July 15th, and he'll share a link to it in his newsletter. As a frugal-slash-cheap freelancer, I can't let any free publicity go by without grabbing onto it, so that challenge was just the kick in the butt that I needed. Each episode will be about 15 to 20 minutes, because I don't got time for anything longer, and I don't think you do either. I'll share the stories from baseball history that fascinate me, dig up new ones that blend crazy and cool and heartbreaking, and talk with other baseball fans about their favorite stories. This podcast is my love letter to baseball, so it's less about the stats and more about the people and places, myths and mishaps, sounds and smells of the game. I want to entertain you. I want to get to know you, so let's pretend we're sitting in a ball game together, okay? Today I want to talk about origins, because this is my first episode, and how origins are at the same time important and not always indicative of the future. I love baseball now, but it wasn't love at first. Twelve years ago, I brought a book to my first MLB game. I would be embarrassed to do that now. I read while the Cardinals killed the Diamondbacks, only stopping to notice that handsome guy at first base, who I had no idea was Albert Pujols or what Albert Pujols even meant. By the way, my family moved to Phoenix and started following the D-backs in the worst season ever. The Diamondbacks finished the season with a record of 51 and 111, in last place in the division, and the worst record by any National League team since the 1965 Mets won one fewer game. Thank goodness the Red Sox beat the curse of the Bambino in 2004, or else that Diamondbacks season might have turned me off the game forever. Let's move on from that disaster of a season and talk about the term walk-off which, by the way, is spelled as one word, two words, and hyphenated. I'm glad I'm just saying it, not making a decision on how to spell it. A walk-off isn't just a walk-off at all. It's a walk-off piece. Or at least it was originally. Dennis Eckersley, the Hall of Fame reliever who coined the term, told the Boston Globe, it was always walk-off piece, like something you'd hang in an art gallery. The walk-off piece is a horrible piece of art. Dennis, I think he'd be alright if I called him Dennis, wasn't just known for killing it with the A's, he also had a language of his own. Peter Gammons, sports writer extraordinaire, once called Dennis's way of speaking his dialect. Get it? Like, dialect? But with Eck for Eckersley? Okay, I'm sure you got it. I regret explaining it now. (laughs) Other memorable terms from Dennis are that a home run would be taking the pitcher over the bridge, A pitcher who gave up a lot of home runs was a bridge master, and a very fast fastball had a lot of hair on it. 
Wonder where that came from. <laughs> when I think about a walk-off, I picture Big Poppy rounding third to a huge mass of jumping teammates at home plate, and then all of them walk off the field in celebration. But according to the original use, the walk-off piece, I'm saying it correctly now, refers to a pitcher's sad walk off the mound after allowing a game-losing homer. When Googling around about the walk-off, everyone points to an article from July 30, 1988, as the first official use of the term. The quote reads, In Dennis Eckersley's colorful vocabulary, a walk-off piece is a home run that wins the game and the pitcher walks off the mound. Funny enough, or not funny if you're Dennis Eckersley, a few months after that reference, Eckersley gave up a walk-off piece to end Game 1 of the 1988 World Series. It's perhaps one of the most memorable walk-offs ever. Kirk Gibson pinch hits for the Dodgers in the bottom of the ninth inning with injuries to both legs and hits a two-run homer to win the game 5-4. He limps around the bases, almost looking like he's not going to make it, and pumps his arm in victory and into baseball lore. Do yourself a favor and Google Kirk Gibson walk-off right now and watch and listen to Vin Scully call the play. It's magical, and I don't even like the Dodgers winning games, even in history. According to my research, and by research I mean Google, ESPN gets the credit for spreading the use of the word as I and most people know it. Walk off, plain and simple, by itself. In a 2005 Boston Globe article, Kevin Millar asked David Ortiz how to say walk off in Spanish, and after consulting with Edgar Renteria, they say it just doesn't translate. This is confirmed by Red Sox Spanish broadcaster Yuri Beninguer. He says the closest translation is, and please forgive my Spanish accent, quadrangular que los deja en el terreno. So it's no wonder that's not a thing. Walk-off is just so much shorter. And now I'm going to talk about the origin of a certain slow pitch. The first memory I have of the EFIS pitch is from the video game Backyard Baseball. That video game was one of the few my brothers and I played growing up, and I sucked at it. That's a common theme from my youth, at least when it comes to baseball and sports in general. <laughs> I'd play a few innings and then turn the game over to my eagerly awaiting brothers who hit homer after homer. Not that it was actually that difficult. The easiest pitch to hit was Ephus, and it came in comically slow, releasing from the pitcher like a car in the world's slowest roller coaster, going up and falling down. I thought it was made up, just something in the video game. Then I saw one, in real life. I can't remember who was playing, but I think an outfielder came in to pitch during a brutal game where his team was losing by a mile, and he pitched a glorious Ephus. They don't come that often, because that's the whole point of the pitch, but it's sure fun to watch. Clayton Kershaw pitched an EFIS in April, and it was a doozy. Side note, Clayton is one of those guys I really want to hate because he's a Dodger, but I watched an ESPN special on him and his wife, and they're just so cute, I can't. So, you're safe from my hatred, Clayton. I'm, I'm sure that's reassuring. <laughs> okay, back to the actual word, EFIS. E E. P-H-U-S. No one knows where it came from, and it was destined to die back in the 19th century, but a starter for the Pirates, Rip Sewell, brought it back in the 1930s and 40s. One winter, Sewell took 14 shotgun pellets into his right foot, 
so he had to dramatically adjust his pitching delivery. He just wasn't going to get the same velocity as before being shot in the foot, so he started using a lob pitch to keep hitters off balance. And it worked pretty well. What was that thing? Pittsburgh manager Frankie Frisk asked in the dugout in spring training. Eva saying nothing, outfielder Maurice Van Robbis said, and that's a nothing pitch. I have no idea what Van Robbis meant by Ephus in that quote, and it seems that no one else does either. The best guess says that Ephus was really Ephis, E-F-E-S, the Hebrew word for zero. But by now, Ephus is just the pitch, Ephus, and it still survives today as a way to fool that hitter who just thinks he knows everything. A little more about me. Let me set something straight before this podcast blows up and I'm being whisked from one fancy podcaster event to another. And by the way, do those exist? I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> hey Batter Batter is for baseball fans, but I define fan loosely. I'm not a baseball fan elitist. Do you only tune in during the playoffs? Cool. Do you watch every pitch of a four-hour, two-one boring game with great interest? Also cool. But I won't say either one of those fans is better or worse. I'm not here to tell you how to like the game. I'm just telling you my favorite stories. Because the stories are what got me into the sport in the first place. I'm the oldest of four kids, the only girl and the one with the worst hand-eye coordination. (laughs) My nearest age brother, Aiden, was hitting rocks with sticks before we watched baseball on TV. While living in Pennsylvania, we went to a few Red Barons games. And, but that was before I knew to hate them because they're a minor league team in the Yankees organization. Then, when I was 11, we moved to the Phoenix area, got cable for the first time, and Aiden started Little League. And yes, this is when that awful Diamondback season happened. I don't want to keep talking about it. My brother Ian, six years younger, my parents, Angie and Dave, and I cheered and watched as Aiden won the coaches over with his enthusiasm He wasn't quite as familiar with the finer points of the game as his teammates. So, like the good homeschoolers that we were, we started studying baseball. And by that, I mean we watched the entire Ken Burns baseball documentary. For the uninitiated, it's nine discs with some bonus material called Extra Innings. It's 18.5 hours of baseball story after baseball story. And by the end, I loved it. I was in love. So the years pass, my third brother, John Paul, is born, and somehow baseball has become fully ingrained in myself and my family. Now, whenever my two-year-old falls, my husband and I yell, safe, and wait to see if he'll shake it off or start crying. My brother Aiden is playing college ball, Ian is currently injured, but he's playing his high school ball, and John Paul is on a club team. We're spread out across three states. But baseball is still part of the glue that holds us together. Baseball is a shared interest, history, and future. I've never been good with baseball stats or exact dates, but the stories make me feel like I'm part of something bigger than myself. Hacklers are welcomed here and challenged. Suggestions, questions, and virtual high fives are loved. And Yankees and Dodgers fans are tolerated. Just don't get too loud and obnoxious, okay? I know it's difficult for you. This podcast's origin starts now. Not next week or next month, because I want it to actually start. I want to throw away the notion of perfection and, quote, 
readiness and just go. This is fun. This is what I'd talk about with you if you were sitting across from me at my dining room table or at a bar or a baseball field. I want to meet you, especially because I'm sure there won't be a lot of you at first, or possibly ever. That's okay. And I want to know what you think and know why stories and baseball matter to you. So, if you'd like to connect, my email is hello at dkpope.com, and I'm pope underscore dk on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so very much for listening, and until next time, stay fanatical out there.